0: School of Education with 100% online master's or specialist degrees in fields like teaching, leadership, higher education, and more. More information at rebelteacher.com.
1: Good morning. It's 830 on Tuesday, October 9th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, a Mississippi family is searching for answers after losing a loved one while incarcerated. We'll hear their story. Then find out how your family can financially prepare before a storm strikes. And tips on when and why high school students need to complete the FAFSA.
2: The more that we can get it out there for the public to understand that these things need to be done, hopefully we get more students to college in Mississippi.
1: That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. A Mississippi family is calling on the State Department of Corrections to provide more information when inmates die in state custody. Bridget Barnes Fuqua of Jackson says her son, Ramon DeMonte Barnes, died in August of 2016 while incarcerated at Mississippi's Parchman Penitentiary. Fuqua says the 29-year-old was in prison for credit card fraud and receiving stolen property. She says Ramon suffered from schizophrenia. She tells MPB's Desiree Fraser they were notified of his death by a chaplain.
3: From what they told us, uh, told me, my mother got the information that they don't have a real cause of death. She just died. Said he had something in his system and stuff like that. But I don't believe that that be true when I saw his remains, his body.
4: Did anything stand out when you were able to view his body?
3: I had took pictures of him, and his left side, his eye was like it had been, like you can tell from the shrinkage, like it was swole, and it went down. And you can see the residue, and there's like bruises on his body, and his hand was like he was fighting to um, to defend himself.
4: How did you find out that he had passed?
3: The chaplain called my mother early, August the 30th, and they called me at work.
4: Did they provide any information? What did they tell her, do you know?
3: That's all they had given my mother at that time was that he had. The chaplain called her and told her that he was, you know, had died, and then say how or win or what, didn't give him nothing, then maybe a week or two, we received his belongings and it wasn't nothing that he really had.
4: What was it like for you and your mother?
3: Still hard, because <laughs> it was somebody, you know, he called as much as he could call, and especially to my mother, he was just like her fourth child, and she, if... He didn't call her every other day. He called her every day. You know, whenever he could get a chance to call, he called her. And I think right now she has had a stroke, you know, because that was like her reason for living or doing a lot, you know, because she always took care of him, and we was always grown and then more independent. He had a lot of mental issues, and now we fought with that all his life and asked for help. He, you know, without us being schizophrenic and ADHD, everybody want to name him, all these things. But he was actually a, a loving person, the best artist, the best basketball player. So I think it did a lot and changed a lot in us. It's been a lot. It's a big debt. He means the big debt and the big debt missing in our in our family.
4: So now that... Uh, we hear that there were 16 deaths in August. How did that make you feel? Did it raise it all back up again?
3: Yes, it did. Every time, because most time that would wake me up is the news. And you wake up and hear there's another death. And then you rise and you look. No, no reason. No reason. It's frustrating because I'm feeling what that family feeling, not knowing. And I can just sit and open my phone up and look at my son and see this and you telling me no cause of death, that information don't it's not the whole truth.
1: Bridget Barnes Fuqua. The family hired Jackson attorney Rhonda Cooper because they felt stonewalled by the state medical examiner's office. Cooper says the autopsy report conflicts with what they saw. She tells our Desiree Frazier how she got involved.
0: Well, the initial call came from Mrs. Lorraine Barnes, uh, Ramon's grandmother, in her efforts to get a completed death certificate. She had been trying to get that for several months in the end of 16 and even the beginning of 17 and just was feeling as though she was getting a run around from the medical examiner's office. So she called me to ask for that assistance. So I think it was January 7, 2017, that I got involved, starting with calling the coroner in sunflower County, and then moving on to the medical examiner's office and even making calls to vital records to see how we would go about
4: getting a
0: completed death certificate.
4: And what happened after that? What were you able to get?
0: Well, we did get a death certificate. Um, the original death certificate stated Ramones cause of death is pending, only for the amended one to say undetermined. So that still didn't give the Barnes family any answers. So we knew that if we could get subpoena power, we could at least get from his records the Department of Corrections. So we had to open up his estate here in the Hines County Chancery Court, and that court issued us the subpoena to issue on to the Department of Corrections. And it took us several, several months to get the records. And I'm not sure, you know, if they knew that there was a time frame because there's only the one-year statute from the date of the incident that we have to bring in action. And waiting on the records and then reviewing them, we were outside of that statutory period. That was a year? That Well, f- from the year that we we made we got the records, excuse me, we got the subpoena in June. We didn't get the records until September. And so our time had lapsed by the time we got the records.
4: And what is your concern at this point? Well, still no
0: closure for the family, and the impact that Ramones, not only his death, but the way in which the family came to know of his death, what they found when they saw him, our investigation to find out more, and we're still without answers as to how he died, uh, what caused him to die, was it a fight with an inmate, was it in fight with some of the personnel, and there's no one to provide those answers.
4: And so in your investigation, you got the pending investiga- um the pending certificate, then you got a certificate. an amended
0: that certificate that changed the cause from pending to undetermined.
4: And you got an autopsy.
0: We do have an autopsy, and the thing that was so glaring for the family was that it specifically indicated that there was no evidence of any traumatic injury and that's totally contrary to what the family saw and what I saw with the pictures that his mother provided me. He did suffer trauma surrounding his death.
4: What do you want to come out of this? Because the case is over. She can't go any further, right?
0: That's correct. There's nothing they can do in terms of compensation um, from the state, but because these deaths continue to happen, when when I got involved in 17, there had been 18 deaths in a very short period of time in 2016, s- specifically at Parchment. Now, I know the deaths that you all have covered in August were at all the facilities, um, but for the governor and the commissioner to say, you know, I guess incarceration, death, is a consequence, but Ramon did not have a death sentence. He was only to stay four months, and he may have even been eligible for early release. So there has to be some liaison, perhaps, or somebody that's engaged with the community to seek answers from the department to provide to the families. Because to just think, well, you know, and a lot of people, a lot of families, do give up on their family members when they're incarcerated, but that's not every family. And if your loved one does die in the facility, I think the department owes an explanation to conduct its own investigation, If, but for no other reason to give a definitive cause of death and to bring some proper resolution and closure for the families.
4: The commissioner has gone on record saying that most of the cases, the uh, 16 deaths, were natural causes, and two are under investigation as homicide. The department feels as though they have provided all the information they can uh, at this point without uh, toxicology reports and autopsies. Well, we've got the benefit of an autopsy.
0: (laughs) We've got the benefit of a death certificate, and it's still inconclusive. And as I said, when we started our investigation, the office in 16, even before being contacted by the Barnes family, there had been 18 deaths in six months. Um, So now they're only multiplying. I mean, this is, you know, there's a national movement that's concerned about that. And natural causes, I've heard the commissioner say natural, natural causes such as heart disease and cancer, but those aren't natural causes. Those are actually diseases. And if that's the case, then where's the medical care for those inmates? We know that Ramon had some mental concerns that were not even acknowledged, least of all addressed by the facility. So I think the commission and the governor uh, are charged with providing better information to these families who have been victimized by these deaths. And I'm calling it victimization because you don't know why your, your loved ones are dying. Attorney Cooper, thank you for speaking with us. Oh, thank you for allowing us to speak with you. We appreciate your time.
1: Fuqua says the department should have a liaison who provides details about the cause of death to families. Corrections Commissioner Felicia Hall says in a statement, she's concerned whenever there's a death, but that doesn't mean there's some ill intent. She adds they're evaluating their internal process to see if there's something they could do better. Coming up, find out how your family can financially prepare before a storm strikes. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
0: Your old car is kind of like that hairstyle you had in high school. Really cool back in the day. But that old car is still cool when you donate it to MPB Think Radio. Go to mpbonline.org for details. Then sit back and enjoy the ride. Now that's cool.
1: This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Hurricane season is currently underway. Forecasters and officials are closely monitoring Hurricane Michael in the Gulf of Mexico. While forecasters think the storm will avoid Mississippi and make impact on the Florida Panhandle, a tropical storm watch is in place for the three coastal counties. The primary physical impact could be storm surge of one to three feet with heavy rainfall. But what about the financial impact brought by the damage storms often leave in their wake? Rula Price is Community Outreach Director with Wells Fargo. She tells us what Mississippians can have ready ahead of any major storm or weather event?
5: First and foremost is having important financial documents on something like a thumb drive, right? This would include a birth certificate, marriage certificate, wills, deeds, et cetera, just anything, obviously, as you begin to have those conversations with your financial institution that it's not something you're looking for paper. Um, Second is having a visual or written record of your possessions. So this one's absolutely important. It will show, especially as you're working with insurance companies, it's a picture of, you know, your personal belongings, your house, your landscaping, your auto vehicle, you name it. Um, and in this day and age of smartphones, cameras. It's very simple and very easy. And then last but not least, um, and and this is one I can't encourage enough, is, you know, having your online resources set up, such as online banking, right, Uh, being able to have your, especially your financial transactions, you're able to easily access the information, setting up bill pay. So, you know, during times of disaster, you're able to continue taking care of those matters um, because... Nine times out of ten, you're not going to get access to your mail immediately. So those statements that come through the mail, so having those set up in advance is extremely helpful.
1: When you say take pictures of your belongings, is it all right to, for instance, take a picture of your living room so you can see the chairs, the couch, whatever tables are in there, or do you need individual pictures of each item?
5: You can absolutely take, um, you can take of the overall living room, right? So it can kind of show the layout of the room. Uh, But we also recommend individual as well. And, And the reason for that, right, it shows the piece of material, whatever that may be, and you can account for it.
1: After the storm now, you come back home and your home has been damaged, maybe significantly, maybe minor. What's your next step to contact your insurance company?
5: Absolutely. So we say, you know, have that conversation early on with your insurance company. Let them know what your initial assessment is, right? And you know in the very beginning i know it's it's sometimes difficult to get contractors right away but you can at least begin the conversation with your insurance company they'll then be aware of what's going on as well as your financial institutions so having that conversation just based upon the magnitude of the impact for your you know your home um, we can begin having those conversations on options that may be available.
1: If you can't get back to your home, like for instance, with Hurricane Florence, many people are still not back home because of flooding. But you know that your home is damaged. You just don't know the extent of that damage. Should you contact your insurance company before you see specifically what has happened?
5: For your insurance company, I think it's better to have at least your, the ability to have your eye on your property, right? Because the very first question they're going to ask you is, you know, what would you, from your own personal standpoint, what is that impact? For your financial institutions, I would say just the opposite, Karen. And I would say have that conversation very early so they can say, look, I've been impacted directly. And again, being able to have that a conversation on what those relief options that are available.
1: If you need to borrow money or access money for repairs, do you go to your lender first? Do you check about what programs might be available through the government or from the state?
5: What I'd say the best approach is, uh, again, kind of goes back to having that conversation. Everybody's circumstances is very different, right? So it may just be a temporary time frame of which the financial institution that you're working with allows you a relief period, right? So it may not necessarily be a need to borrow and or, you know, lend. It may just be, hey, give the homeowner, the time to work through the initial contractor assessments, understanding what the the bigger picture is. And as you go through that, it may be as simple as just a temporary relief on payments. But I think, you know, again, understanding that not all options apply to everyone. That's the importance of just having the conversation.
1: Any final thoughts that we should consider?
5: I think it's just important to learn more go to reliable sources, work with reliable contractors, ask those key questions such as, you know, are they properly bonded? Do they have a valid license? Uh, Do they have liability coverage? Those three questions, Karen, will help folks dramatically as they begin the rebuilding process and alleviate a lot of that headache of, unfortunately, sometimes not everybody has the best intentions.
1: Rula Price is the Community Outreach Director for Wells Fargo Home Lending. Thank you very much, Rula. Thank you, Karen. Listen to MPB News on all your devices. Just download the MPB Public Media app or tell your smart speaker, open MPB Think Radio. Coming up, tips on when and why high school students need to complete the FAFSA. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.
0: Hi everyone, I'm Russ Robinson inviting you to join us right here on MPB for Friday Night Under the Lights. We'll get you all the scores and keep you up to date on all the players at 10 p.m. every Friday night this fall. Mississippi Public Broadcasting and Friday Night Under the Lights. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education with 100% online master's or specialist degrees in fields like teaching, leadership, higher education, and more. More information at rebelteacher.com.
1: October is College Application Month in Mississippi. Governor Phil Bryant recently signed the proclamation recognizing that the college application process may be a barrier to some high school students pursuing post-secondary education. Due to an absence of information or support, officials and advocacy organizations are encouraging students to complete all of the components of the application process, especially the financial aid application. Kirsten Dufour is Project Manager of the Get to College program at the Woodward Hines Education Foundation. She tells MPB's Desiree Fraser what the FAFSA is and how it helps Mississippi students.
2: So the FAFSA stands for the free application for federal student aid. And all it is is a online application that students complete and send to the colleges that they're looking to attend. And then the colleges process the information that comes from the FAFSA, which is only a number called the expected family contribution number. And then that number is used by all of the individual schools for financial aid purposes.
4: So this form helps inform colleges on how much a family can afford to pay for schooling?
2: In theory, yeah. It takes into account major components of household size, household income, and how many students for the upcoming year will be enrolled in college and those are the major components um, that f- that go into the FAFSA for that expected family contribution formula. Now every school has a different price tag so every school will use this information um, differently so a more selective college maybe a private school that's a higher price tag of maybe say forty five thousand dollars for their tuition, their housing, their meal plan, the total cost to attend that school is going to use this formula of cost of attendance minus that expected family contribution number equaling that student's financial need. And so a state school in the state of Mississippi, their cost of attendance is going to be about $25,000 of everything to attend for a freshman and They would use that same formula with that same EFC number, but obviously giving you a very different number than if the cost was higher. And that's why it's important to complete the FAFSA and send it to all the possible colleges that a student's looking to attend to make sure that they um, are utilizing all the funds available. Why is
4: this form so critical for students?
2: Some research that here at Woodward Hines we have done with some pilot high schools across the state, we have found that students are four times more likely to enroll in college if they complete their FAFSA. And we see that because so many students realize that there may be federal funds available, such as the Pell Grant, which is free grant money based off that student's um, expected family contribution number that they may get for free to attend a college. Um, That may also open up some money for the state Um, Mississippi's Office of Student Financial Aid has some free grants available for students if they complete their FAFSA and their state financial aid application by deadlines and so it opens up for students to see oh the barrier of the cost of college may not be as large um, after they've completed the FAFSA and get their financial aid packages than they thought students Um, We've seen not even consider college because they don't think they can pay for it, but they didn't know that the gateway to get that money starts by completing that FAFSA as well as the application for state aid. So they can see, wow, I may have several thousand dollars that will cover the cost of maybe the local community college's tuition that they didn't have any idea about before.
4: And where can they find these forms?
2: So the FAFSA can be completed at FAFSA.gov, F-A-F-S-A dot G-O-V. And the Mississippi financial aid application actually links directly over from the FAFSA, which is really great. We're one of nine states in the entire country that has the ability to do that. So it's pretty cool that Mississippi's progressive in having that technology linked directly over. But if a student wants to do it separately aside from the FAFSA, they can go to mississippi.edu financialaid financial aid, and the application is available there for them to complete online. Um, Most of the public high schools in the state of Mississippi host FAFSA days, um, and private high schools usually have some sort of assistance as well. So there's a lot of effort going on already in the high schools for seniors to complete their FAFSA. So I definitely encourage them to check with their counselor at the school to see if there's a FAFSA event that they could attend with their parents and have assistance in completing if they need it. And Get to College is always available by phone or online chat to assist anybody that has questions with FAFSA completion. Kirsten
4: Dufour with the Woodward Hines Education Foundation. We appreciate your help on this important information.
2: Absolutely. Well, thanks for the opportunity.
4: Mississippians
1: can take advantage of assistance provided through the College Countdown Mississippi events. A schedule of events is posted online at collegecountdownms.com. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks. Then at 10 o'clock, it's In Legal Terms. And at 11, stay tuned for Southern Remedies, Relatively Speaking. We want to hear from you. Let us know what you think about a story or send us a news tip by visiting MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. I'm Karen Brown. Join us again tomorrow morning at 830 for the next Mississippi edition only on MPB Think Radio.